<laughs> one day, ruin the week. Great. In the trash. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Geek Chew. I'm Eamon. And I'm Charlene. And today we're going to be talking about Dark Horse Comics, new series 8, by Raphael Albuquerque and Mike Johnson. And also we went and saw Inside Out today, Pixar slash Disney. Disney's Pixar. Pixar. Disney. My goodness. (laughs) Disney's Pixar. That's right. We saw it. Inside Out. Um, So... You know, uh, other than that, though, um, I took the the kids out to eat earlier this week, and we have a a rule about no video game talk at the dinner table, the dinner table, (laughs) and um, I guess it doesn't really apply when we're out to eat unless we're not in the mood to hear it, because like (laughs) as soon as we sat down, Courtney like launched into um, some video game talk because this week was E3. So I had my, um, my briefing on the E3 week to date. (laughs) At least you got a briefing because I wasn't there, but I got to experience it live. Well, I did too at the time. (laughs) No, I mean, I got to experience all of his E3 news. Like, mom, come look at this. Mom, come look at this. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. It's cute. It's awesome. It's cool. Let me, you know, be productive. So, so I just looked at my notes and I s- see that I wrote down I had my E three summary from a twelve year old, which is not his age. No. He's thirteen now. Yes, we have a teenager. <laughs> but um, from what I gathered, Nintendo and Sony are not having a good week at E three, and Xbox like Microsoft about, is like, killing it. <laughs> Did he tell you about like how many viewers dropped in like the first few yeah. minutes of yeah yeah I got I got the scoop, um, but that's all he's really interested in was the Nintendo news. Right, he has branded himself a Nintendo expert. Is that what he said? Oh yeah, <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> that's that's his new like if he had business cards that's what it would say. Um, which is cute. He's yes. very funny. Um, but yeah, uh, beyond that, what I was briefed by our teenager, I, I don't really have much, much E3 news. I just thought it was, uh, worth mentioning that it was this week. I am very, very excited about Yoshi's world, woolly world, world though. <clears throat> That's a really hard thing to say. Yoshi's woolly world. Yeah. It looks First of all, adorable. Yeah. Secondly, like they have like little plushy amiibos, and I don't even care about amiibos, but I might want one of those amiibos. <laughs> yeah, that and the uh, Mario World Builder. Yes, he's thing. been talking about Mario. So World. that sounds cool too, though. Mario is something that I will always go back to, um, but the World Builder itself seems like a little bit too much effort. So. Courtney has come up with a plan where he will build the worlds and I will play Mario Aww. in those worlds. Yeah, he's been telling me about his like ideas for stuff, and it just amazes me the things that like come out yeah. of his brain for that kind of stuff. And I'm like, wow, that's that's cool. Yeah. So it, the, it's, it's neat because he always takes like another idea and then expands on it and makes it his own, and that's just like sort of his thing. Yeah. The only other video game news I had was Batman related, you know, Batman, Arkham Knight. Pretty sure you just said Batman. Yeah. It really didn't sound good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? Batman, <laughs> Arkham Knight is, is coming out and it's not coming out for the Wii U, which is the only system we own. And even if it was, I probably wouldn't play it, but just seeing, uh, commercials and ads and videos for it and, going to GameStop with the kids and seeing the PlayStation 4, you know, uh, displays where you can buy the Arkham Knight 
PlayStation 4 with the game. And it makes me want a PlayStation 4 for the first time um, ever. <laughs> but even if I got one, I probably wouldn't play the game. But it is Batman, so I might I might give it a shot. Um, but all of that is moot because we aren't getting a PlayStation 4. That is correct. <laughs> um, one of the other things I saw this week was there's going to be a uh, animated adaptation of the Image comic series Chew. What? Which, yeah, pretty exciting. Uh, they have on what on what platform? Um, I think it's gonna just come out on like DVD straight to video kind of thing. Really? Um, the first is it gonna be like the same story? Yeah. Well, the first show or probably movie. I would imagine is a, a direct adaptation of the first trade and they've cast, um, several people that how long have you been holding this information in and not talking to me about it? Um, about three hours. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how did, how did you not tell me about this? Cause I know I don't like check my Twitter feed or anything as much as you do because I just don't have the same kind of access and time. Yeah. So but. I had to go back and look at our, um, previous episodes, but we haven't actually talked about Chew. Um, but I mean, it's a really great series that we've been following in trades or catching up on in trades mm-hmm. and we'll now follow in trades until it, until it's over. But, uh, yeah, they've cast, I think Chew. Oh, it's not animated. I thought you said animated. Yeah. They've cast the voice. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, who I think, uh, I'm not even going to conjecture. I read it earlier tonight and I can't remember the, the reason that it came to my attention tonight was they just cast, um, the other Siba path, uh, not true, but the bad guy one. Yeah. With, uh, David Tennant, the guy who played one of the doctor who's he's going to be really? his voice. Yeah. It's all very exciting, but looking forward to that. Yeah, me too. And, um, the last thing that I, that I had for just kind of general stuff was, uh, Game of Thrones is over oh, and yes. True Detective is starting. Now, do you want to, do you want to watch this together or well, do you want to just think, try to watch it apart and then discuss it together later? Here's the thing. I think we should watch the new season because it's completely unrelated to the first season I think we should watch that together as kind of our Game of Thrones replacement. Okay. And I was thinking because of our conflicting schedule, uh, we should maybe have like an assignment or a challenge, see if we can each watch four episodes of the first season of True Detective this week. That's really hard because my time at home, like the kids are up and it's like morning times. That's why it's called the challenge. Oh, (laughs) the challenge where you get to cheat because you get to put the kids to bed and then get to watch it? Yeah. I mean, you've got headphones and a computer here. Let's not pretend like there's no workarounds. (laughs) But, so, you, so you're giving me permission so, so to you're already, the children in you're already order turning to complete down. this challenge. You're already turning no, down No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be able to do this. No, it's all right. Four episodes. We'll just skip it. Four we'll epi- skip the first season. <laughs> because you don't want to lose? <laughs> hey, I wasn't the one complaining. Um, but yeah, so True Detective Season 2 starts this weekend, I think. And... Uh, I mean, True Detective Season 1 was obviously a pretty big pop culture phenomenon. I thought it started last weekend. Uh, I don't think so. No? Because I've heard some talk about it. Maybe people just saw, like, screen. Yeah, I was listening to the um, Hollywood Prospectus podcast, but but they they definitely have screeners because they've watched the first three or four episodes. Um, But I want to see both seasons, and I think we should... um, Make an effort. Make an effort, and we definitely won't make it through the first season if we try to wait and watch it together. So that was my uh, weekly recap. Yeah, I was gonna say ephemera from the week. So not. <laughs> I mean, you can say it, but it sounds kind of silly. Well, so do you. <laughs> <laughs> do you have anything? 
not really. I wish that I did, but like my, I, I guess I'm still just adjusting to like how my schedule is laid out. I mean, I did have a complete fail of a day yesterday, like trying to get things done in a certain time and like, I don't even want to keep talking about what a fail of a day yesterday was, but that's pretty much all I can think of about my whole week was how I couldn't get anything completed. Days like that are the worst, but um, as far as non-personal things, <laughs> right. um, <laughs> one day ruin the week. Great. In the trash. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, like, I didn't, like, watch any new TV or anything. Like, I, I, I really love that um, uh, Golan the Insatiable show, and I didn't even get a chance to, like, watch the latest episode of that, I don't think, with the kids who think it's hilarious, because it is hilarious. Yeah, and, it is, um, it's good. Is that a Hulu original? He, no. It's no. on Fox. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, like, I mean, not, like, I just... I haven't got to do a bunch of, I mean, Secret Wars is ruining my life, but other than that, yeah, I mean, like, Spider-Gwen, this is the last issue of Spider-Gwen, I almost threw the book across the room, and then, you know, Ms. Marvel, and I look at the cover, and it says the last days of Ms. Marvel, and I almost threw the book across the room, like, it makes me want to cry. I'm sure it's going to be fine, I'm sure, but I'm not really sure that it's going to be fine. So anyway, that's all I have for my week. I promise I'm going to try to get back into like a better schedule of doing things that are more fun than just boring life stuff. Yeah. So we'll just get right into eight. So eight is Dark Horse Comics series, Mm -hmm. um, co-written by Raphael Albuquerque and Mike Johnson. And the art is by Raphael Albuquerque and... I, I I think we'll end up talking about the colors at at some point, but it kind of occurred to me at one point while rereading the the first arc that we don't talk about colorists a lot. Not a whole lot. We have sometimes, but but not a lot. And I then think I was when it like, really well, stands out, maybe at, like it does in this series. I was like, well, I wonder who the colorist is, and well, it's Raphael Albuquerque. So. Yeah, he does the colors and everything. Um, but. It's, you know, Albuquerque does American Vampire, which is is really the only thing we read, I think, on a a regular basis of his. He's worked on... so to speak, regular basis. Yeah, he's done other things. Um, And, you know, last year when we went to Heroes Con, he had a bunch of original artwork. and, And, you know, some of it was just... That stuff where you just stand there and think, "Wow, <laughs> should I, should I, should I get this?" Because it's it was really um, he had some pages from American Vampire. There was one that I remember in particular with Pearl um, as the kind of centerpiece of the page. That was just amazing. We ended up not getting it, but right um, because we have you know small children who ask us to feed them. <laughs> such a pain in the neck. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so eight, and I didn't realize this, um, is actually based on a, a web comic that Albuquerque had done in Brazil. Oh, really? That, yeah, it was called two and eight. And he actually never even finished it because the, the site that was running the web comic shut down and dark horse expressed interest in, you know, Doing it as a series, originally as a miniseries. And when I was going back through articles, reading about um, about this series, I think it was supposed to be just this five-issue run. And this was before I read issue five, which kind of makes you yeah, think that it's going to keep going. Yeah, I don't know how you would be able to stop it, um, this issue. But. but I saw a miniseries, and I was like, this is going to be hit. And I think it's um, it's been fairly popular as a series, and that probably... Um, has changed the course of of the series to to kind of be a continuing book maybe but basically it's it's another time travel book which we spent a lot of time talking about over our last couple yeah, episodes seems to be like the zeitgeist right now is time travel and, and um, passed away and 
I mean, basically it's first issue throws you right into the beginning of the action in the story where the, right, there's no, there's no like, right. Everything's getting kind of to filled how in the time through. travel was invented or whatever. He yeah. just gets, you know, everything's like, all right, now you're ready to go. Or, yeah. And backlash. So, <laughs> yeah. <that's right>. <laughs> <laughs> Flashbacks even. <laughs> um, but so the protagonist, this Joshua character is, uh, you know, he's the f- first person you see and he's in the meld, which is basically this place outside of time or basically uh, a temporal garbage chute right. where, you know, things from all different points in time uh, can be and exist kind of outside of the timeline that, that we know. But, um, he is in the meld and kind of gets hooked up with some of the other main characters pretty quickly. And they start to build this world where, um, you find out why Joshua has traveled through the time stream and, you sort um, of find out why. Like you don't really find out why. Well, I mean, you find by out the fifth what his issue, purpose is yeah, through the you series. Don't... You find out. Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, I think there were some answers that I still needed, but. <laughs> but um, I think one of the big things about this book, um, which we already kind of alluded to, is there's. It's like a key in the front of the book as far as colors go where um, it has green as the past. This kind of yellow color is the meld. The blue is future and purple is the present, I think. I I don't have the book in front of me. That sounds about right in my head. But (laughs) um, And then, so basically, wherever they are in the story, whatever point in the timeline they have this kind of uh, wash wash of, of this color in the background and and they leave everything else kind of just this sketched out bluish hue which uh, obviously intentional probably to highlight um, you know the other color and you know it kind of works as a effective narrative device to let you know um, where they are in the story and in the timeline without inserting narrative blocks or whatever. Right. So yeah, the meld is an interesting place as far as maybe even just a narrative device where, or not a narrative device, but it kind of opens up this freedom to, to tell whatever story you want because you can pull things from any time in the history of the world and throw them into this world. But yeah, basically I think I kind of narrowed it down to there are like six main characters. I guess. I mean, that was tough for me. I mean, I had, I had, I don't think I enjoyed this series as much as you did. I think for me, the most interesting thing was definitely the art and how the art affects the story. Um, I, I think I, I feel like I wanted some more character development. Like I, I just didn't feel attached to anyone. I think the most interesting character for me was Harry, the little brother. Right. Um, and like we, you know, when he's not really one of the main characters so much, as, you know, like I'd, I'd say the main two characters are Joshua and Neela. And Neela. Yeah, I included Harry in the six, but. Um, so yeah, like I'd say he's like in the second tier of important characters. Yeah. I, I can see how you, how you felt that way. I think it definitely did a better job than say something like the Pastaways of giving some depth to the characters. Um, do you, because I feel like I didn't like really get a lot of personality from them so much as it was more plot driven than like character driven. Whereas I feel like Pastaways was probably more character driven than plot driven. To start out with. Yeah, maybe. Um, or, well, I would definitely say that's an accurate 
characterization, but I think maybe it's just the fact that there were more issues and more time spent with these people. And especially on my second read through, I, I kind of like, there were some things that, that happened in issue three that by the time I read issue four, I had completely forgotten. And then when I read them all in order, I was like, how did I not remember that? Like the whole, um, reveal of the relationship between the two main characters of Neela and Joshua kind of how they, um, fit together in the bigger mosaic of the time travel piece. But like, I'd completely forgotten that by the time issue four came. <laughs> so That's weird. I think basically well, I have to read things in trade. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I sat down and basically read them like that. I read all five issues back to back and just sat and read them all with my coffee the other morning. So I just, I mean, I got the whole story as a chunk. And so maybe that's why the way I'm in like interpreting it and, and analyzing it is different from the way yeah. that you processed it in your experience reading it. I just, I, I just failed to really care as much about the characters. I felt like the end of issue five was sort of anticlimactic. I felt like we were meant to care. I would agree with that. <laughs> I felt like we were really meant to care for this one character who essentially sacrifices herself for, you know, this greater mission that we don't even really know much about. Well, I didn't have any um, deep feelings for her. Neither do I, but I feel like we're supposed to because anytime a character does something like that, where it's like an important thing where they sacrifice themselves so someone else can can take care of like the, the major plot point in the story, like you, I mean, you, you should feel something for that sacrifice. You should feel something for that person and care whether or not, like you know, care about the ultimate fate of that character. And I was just sort of like, Oh, so that happened. Um, yeah, I don't, and I, so when like I went I, back through and read all five issues, there is a lot going on in the five books. And that's, um, I mean, when I started taking notes on it, I was like, well, I'm just going to break it down by issue because I'm not really sure how to tackle, which right. is, I mean, I I'm think, not saying typical I don't like it. Time travel. I, I definitely like, I want to see what else happens. I think the overall, um, ideas are good and interesting. It's just, I feel like maybe they're trying to take on too much in a short period of time and should, you know, maybe have, I, I don't know, maybe they were thinking like we have these five issues to tell right. this story. Might have been started as a mini series. <laughs> instead of, you know, and trying to fit so much stuff in instead of, you know, like, so like as a, Five issue series, it was okay. As a a longer ongoing thing, I think that there's a lot of potential for it. I mean, yeah. I definitely want to see what else happens, and I think you know, Rafael Albuquerque is a genius with the way he does his colors and the way he uses them to move the storytelling. So yeah. I like, I definitely think there's a lot of value in us investing our our dollars into keeping on on board with the story. I'm just saying that there was a lot that I felt like was lacking with like the first narrative arc, you know? Yeah. And I hate to say that because like, I don't want to seem like, um, like I'm not recommending it, you know? Like, I feel like th there's a lot of worth and, and a lot to, to say that's good about it, but I'd have to be honest yeah. too, you know? Well, um, so some of the, we've kind of covered at least three of the main characters and uh, Joshua and Neela and her brother, Harry. And, you know, the other, the other side of that, well, not the complete other side, but there's also the spear and the tyrant mm -hmm. in the meld who are uh, kind of the big bads. Yeah. The sixth guy that I would say is, is a main character is Dr. Ham is this guy. Um, who's been kind of spending his whole life trying to get to the meld and built this other, well, I guess he didn't build the other time machine, but it's like, I think in essence, it's like the same machine. Like, well, no, I think they end up getting thrown back into the past by just traveling to the Bermuda triangle. Right. What? Like the two ships are already in the meld. The spear took one and Joshua took one. Yeah. But I think that like, 
That's definitely what happened. Don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> but, um, it gets all fuzzy with that time travel stuff. Yeah. And I guess one other thing we should talk about before we go on is, is, is the title, which is eight with, you know, the figure eight in the place of the G and the, um, I guess I'll call it the symbol eight plays a big role through the story as far as frequencies with communicating um, between timelines as well as the infinity symbol um, being the symbol of the people born in the middle. That was a little bit too on the nose for me, so I just felt like, I I just was like, oh, I kind of just put it aside. is Is it on the nose or is it? I mean, he he travels in time to the meld with this infinity symbol or an eight on his wrist. I mean, he and, drew it. The, it's an eight. And then they were no, like, I understand. oh, it's in his handwriting. And I'm like, it's an eight. I'm like, I mean, come on. Really? It's right. handwriting. But the thing, with the, time tra- <laughs> the thing with the time travel is, especially in this, which treats time travel differently than I feel like the other books that we've talked about is that the whole story is kind of circular. Yes. So in that way, it makes complete sense. And it's not too on the nose because everything is tied into the same people. Why why are they calling it different things to each other? Like, well, because not everybody in the storyline has the same pieces of information, I think. But, um, I mean, I guess we'll find out more as, 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 I sure hope so. Yeah, so do I. <laughs> there's just a lot. Yeah, there's a lot. And um, I guess the other piece is it's it's kind of unclear why Joshua traveled back. Not it's not unclear as far as his main purpose, but That's there's what I'm this. Saying. Like I know why he is doing it, but I don't know like why he's being sent. Well, I think because the world he came from, there's this virus or scourge that has um, infected the population, which is the same scourge that the tyrant uses to control the meld. And the scourge are basically, I think, nanobots. Basically, you know, that which I think is also a super interesting part of the story that doesn't get enough time. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a lot. And it's interesting. I, I, I'm with you. I, I think... Issue five seemed really rushed. It seemed like it was heading to this big conflict. And then all of a sudden in two pages, it was over and it was kind of like, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, one of the things I, I really liked in the series overall was in issue number four, the, um, the way they detail the origins of the spear who's, you know, originally from Nazi Germany. I really I do like that as well. The I think that was probably my favorite issue. The way uh Dr. Ham goes into his his history and how it ties into the spear and um, you know, Dr. Ham's father was the scientist, a Jewish scientist in Nazi Germany who was basically put to work because he was that gifted even Though he was Jewish, he was, um, pardoned, so to speak. Yeah. Put in charge of this time travel operation that they had going on. And I, just the way that he described the story and the way he detailed the balance of, you know, working for the Reich with the family safety and how his father didn't like who he was working for, but he really wanted this scientific progress to, push forward it was i just thought great storytelling yes i would agree with you that was a a good piece of the narrative that felt complete too yeah yeah that was my favorite part um what did you what did you think about the way that the story treated time travel as opposed to the stuff that we've read in the past um i mean it seems like um less of an unbelievable phenomenon. Like it's just something sort of everyone accepts as something doable, I guess, you know, like it doesn't, it doesn't take a whole lot for people to be convinced that like, this is what has happened or what is happening or 
the world that they live in. Um, as far as, I mean, I guess I, I don't feel like it's that different as far as it being like having like a cyclical nature. I thought it was, well, I feel I mean, like the other stuff we've read hasn't really tackled the cyclical nature of time travel. And this one, I think, emphasizes it and then uses the story as kind of what would you do to change that cycle? Yeah. And I feel like as the story goes along, that cycle is changed. And I just thought that was interesting and, you know, a good way to, to, to tell a story, you know, as opposed to what we've read in, in the last couple of months, but yeah. And I, I mean, I guess we've already talked about the colors and stuff and, um, I don't know. I really liked it, but that was about all I had on, on eight. Did you have anything else? No, I think I discussed everything. You want to move on to inside out? Yeah. Yeah. We saw that this morning. Yes. With the kids. It was yes, good. It was very good. I think, um, I tried to go into it without too many expectations. I just, as far as Pixar movies go, it's hard for me to be disappointed just because they're always visually really appealing. And, um, and you know, a lot of times for an animated movie, that's, that's what I need. But this one had really great storytelling as well. But ultimately it's about a little girl named Riley who's 11 years old and she moves from Minnesota to San Francisco and she has these basically five emotions in her brain at an 11 year old level joy sadness fear anger and disgust and um and you know like how this change affects you know how she is as a person um it's just sort of interesting, you know, like what would happen, like at the, at some point in the, not too far in the story, Riley's left without sadness and joy to, to help run her control center. So things get like all mixed up and messed up and things go wrong. And, um, I mean, I think that there's a lot of subtlety to the story and a lot of, um, heartwarming stuff as well as as humor but i mean basically it's it's just the the internal experience of this girl that we get to see at an interesting time in her life um yeah i liked um i liked how they kind of added to you know obviously it's hard to get everything that the movie is looking to tackle in a trailer but it's not it's not just these emotions and how they govern a person it's how emotions kind of you know both literally in this movie and figuratively color memories um oh my gosh that's so cute <laughs> what <laughs> i didn't even like see that blatantly obvious thing about coloring memories yeah wow Um, and then you know obviously 11 year old girl she's getting older and the movie kind of as it progresses demonstrates how more complex things get as you get older as you experience things differently and you know something's not always happy or not always sad It's, you know, a mixture of, of of different things. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I feel like I had a different, um, reaction or experience in this movie than, than a lot of people. I've seen so many like positive reviews and it's not that I, not that I didn't like it. It just, it didn't engage me the way I think even other Pixar movies have. And, and there was, there was some of it where I was, I hesitate to use the word bored, but it was kind of, it was kind of boring. Not, 
Not in, a so lost my, not in a lost my interest kind of way, but yeah. just in a in a way where I was just kind of like waiting for the next thing to happen. And um, I didn't feel that way at all. I was fully engaged the whole time. And I mean, I think the kids were too. Like even after the end of the showing and we're waiting for you and Jake in the restroom, me and Tegan and Courtney are all talking, you know, which one's your favorite character? What was your favorite part? And what emotion did you like? And blah, 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 blah. And yeah. All this great stuff. Yeah, and Courtney asked me that when I got out. And I definitely like, I told, I told him I like sadness the best out of the, in the movie. Cause well, that was my, was that's my favorite character yeah. as well. But Amy, Amy Poehler is his joy. And mm-hmm. Phyllis Smith from uh, The Office. For us. Yeah, Office fame. And I think, I think that's, pretty, yeah, that's, that's pretty much what she's been in. That was her first um, yeah, no, thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was um, really funny as, as Sadness, and the character itself, the way she was animated, was really cute. Um, I feel like she was funny and smart as Sadness. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it was by far my favorite. It, maybe you need to be more in touch with your emotions, huh? Maybe that's it. <laughs> because like, I just felt it so engaging and like just the subtle intelligence about the way, you know... Emotions are are handled in a person in in like conflict and yeah, but I don't know. feel like I miss any of that stuff. I know. I, I just, just feel like it was a, an okay movie. Uh, so <laughs> weird to me. So weird. I mean, I laughed and uh, I don't know. But um, maybe we need to not sit in like super comfy leather recliners. <laughs> maybe that's why. Well, I think you, if you'll remember, I was sitting up through the movie. <laughs> still, still cushy. Yeah. Um, but overall, I mean, I, I still enjoyed the movie. I thought there was um, very entertaining things in the movie. I, you know, I like the abstract um, thought, imagination, wherever they were walking through to get to imagination land. Yeah, that was fun. Um, I mean, there was a ton of stuff in the movie that I thought was really good and emotional. Maybe you need to watch it again. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I Well, I'm sure I will, but... Yeah. Uh, Did you have anything else on Inside Out? Because I... I mean, we just saw it this morning. Yeah, I just didn't have a lot to say. I mean, I it. just... I, I don't know. It just really gave me the feels, which I think it was supposed to. It's a whole movie about emotions, but, like... I really just... I thought it was amazing. Like I just, I I don't even, I don't even know really how to describe all of the nuance. Yeah, I mean, I've heard. Um... I mean, uh, well, here's. I thought what was really interesting was this, you know, um, the complexity of emotions, where in respect to how you feel other people are expecting you to feel about something or, you know, like you not about a person not wanting to let their parents down, you know, or someone else down and like, and how hard that is and how like, um, I mean, just, just, it's, I mean, obviously it took all of this complex stuff and simplified it into a children's movie or a family movie, but like, felt like it did a really good job with keeping a lot of that stuff in where you could just really see, like, you know, that, you know, I mean, so Riley, you know, she she doesn't want to upset her parents by by admitting to them that she's upset with this move. She wants to be on board and be supportive you know, as an 11 year old girl, but like life is tough for an 11 year old girl, as far as like the experiences that she's having, but she's trying to understand that like, maybe life isn't so tough for her as an 11 year old as it is for her parents. But, you know, so she feels guilt at, at, at not wanting to be sad, but then she can't help it. And then like things go all haywire in her crazy emotion brain. And, uh, and I don't know. And then, so like her choices change and then, I don't know. It just, I think it's a really great story about family as well as like, you know, growing up and, uh, 
It's so weird to me that you were bored. I didn't. I wasn't bored through the movie. I just you were some of it was a little bored. A little boring. No one's gonna <laughs> like you after hearing that. This movie was so not boring. Okay. Well, I mean, I'll still like you. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did like the movie overall. I'm just saying. Um, I just didn't do it for you. I just felt like so engaged the whole time. So yeah. it's weird to me. But um, was that it for Inside Out? Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Uh, what was your notable for the week? Okay, so I've been saving this to talk to you about. So I listened to this podcast called Slate Double X Gab Fest, and it's like a feminist podcast with these three women, and they talk about like women's issues and like pop culture stuff and relate and how they relate to women's issues and. I haven't even bothered to really like suggest that you listen to it because you have so many other things on your plate that I'm not sure that this would be something that like you really wanted to invest some time in. Well, you have talked to me about it before, though. Have this I? podcast, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, it only comes out every two weeks or so. So anyway, they are doing this thing where they let their listeners know in their last episode that they're going to be discussing something in their next episode so if you want to get a head start and listen to it so you can you know know what they're talking about while they're talking about it and i decided it sounded interesting and i would look into it and it's called mystery show um on um a podcast network called gimlet and mystery show is a new podcast with hosted by starly kine and starly kine um is so wonderful and charming. She sounds just like a person that has the name Starly, you would assume sounds. And the show is so fun and charming and delightful and um, sweet and caring and like full of all this great stuff, but also like solving these sort of these mysteries that are sort of like not really a big deal, but like just mysteries for her friend that are like little things. And I, it was just so fun to listen to that it's like now my new favorite thing. And I'm sad that I run out, ran out of episodes. I think there were four. Oh yeah. Um, is it a weekly? I, I think it's weekly, but I like a new one hasn't popped up since I finished listening to it, but it is so good. And I really recommend it. And like, I mean, I, I can't um, describe, like, how, like, happy it makes me to listen to because while Starly is trying to get to the bottom of whatever mystery she's trying to solve, she encounters new people and she sort of goes off on these other tangents that just are so, like, sweet and interesting and just another facet of the story that that you just are, are like, that's just so fun and heartwarming. Unexpected. Unexpected. And, and An like unexpected really, take, I guess. Yeah. And, and like, just really heartwarming. And like, you just think of, um, you know, like I couldn't help but think of, you know, how her thought process must be. It could just the way that she asks questions and the way that she gets to the next question that she needs to ask or wants to ask. And it's just, I mean, it's really good. It's really good. And I recommend that people listen to it. Yeah. I find myself thinking the same thing. The more podcasts I listen to just how differently people think and interact with other people. Um, especially when it comes to interviews, um, where I, you know, it seems so seamless when they're coming up with these questions and I'm like, well, that's not something I would ever ask, but it was, I mean, it makes for a good interview, which is too bad for me. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's, this isn't my notable, but there's another, I just saw yesterday. Um, Kevin Smith has another new podcast coming out apparently, unless it was a joke. It didn't look like a joke. Um, it's kind of in the X files files vein where him and Matt Meyer are going to, do commentary tracks for every episode of Frasier. It's called really. It's called uh, talk salad and scrambled eggs or something. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I've heard him talk about Frasier and how it's like his show that he always watches and puts on the background for, um, you know, 
falling asleep or just while he's working, whatever. But uh, I'll probably check that one out. But of course you will. My um, maybe I will as well. Actually, yeah. With Matt Myra, Kevin I, Smith's okay. I wonder what their dynamic would be together. So yeah, well, Matt Myra does a already does a podcast with uh, Scott Mosier. Oh, see, I like Kevin Smith as far as like his ideas and stuff. Sometimes I just find it hard to listen to him because I'm like, all right, move on already. No, yeah. and I know that we've discussed that before, but like, yeah, he's a talker. Yeah, <laughs> but um. My my actual notable for the week is actually two comics that I recently read, and they're both kind of tied into the the big two events that are going on this summer: Convergence and Secret Wars. The first one is Batman number forty one. Um, you know, it's still Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo uh, working the series, but in issue number forty, they quote unquote killed off Batman and. Um, so they did what? Yeah, all the all the series of which Batman, like Bruce Wayne Batman. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and it was his. It was the end of the Endgame series, the big thing with the Joker. But so everybody took two months off for Convergence, and the the new issue has this new Batman, which is basically just a mech suit Batman. And what's inside mech suit Batman? Uh, Commissioner Gordon. Oh. <laughs> and I was very um, worried. I think, I mean, I know I've ta- at least talked to you about um, the Batman series so far under Scott Snyder. Now, Court of Owls was one of those series that got me into comic books so so quickly when we were um, just getting back into it a few years ago. And um, as his Batman series has kind of progressed, it's gotten harder and harder to read. I I, I just haven't. I want to like it so much and I just, it, it hasn't really done it for me. And I was like, um, I was really hesitant about, about the new turn. Um, but Batman number 41, they did a, a really good job, at least with that issue of making the story interesting. Um, I mean, they kind of tie it into the old Batman as well by the end. And, and you get an idea, sort of, of where it might be going. But uh, they they did a they did a good job with it, which I wasn't expecting, and I think is probably going to be harder for the other series because I read Detective Comics number forty one, where they had to try to pick up that storyline as well, and I didn't really dig that. Um, but uh, Batman number forty one was good, and it's completely different. Uh, the other one. That ties into Secret Wars, which you already kind of talked about when we first started. Was Miss Marvel number sixteen, and and like you said on the cover, it says "Last Days of Miss Marvel," and <laughs> <laughs> um, you know the Secret Wars is is we're reading the actual eight part miniseries Secret Wars as well, mm-hmm. and kind of following what that storyline is going to be and. While it might be difficult at the time to see that Spider Gwen and Miss Marvel are kind of coming to a close, I think it's probably just this particular numbering series, basically, because there's no way that they're going to do away with characters that are this popular, especially new characters that are this popular. I know the Spider Gwen said that like she would have a big role in Spider Verse, but didn't say anything about like a Spider Gwen book. So. Yeah. But, I mean, as far as Miss Marvel number 16 goes, I just thought it was almost, for me, like a perfect comic book. Yeah. There was uh, so much going on in it from the artwork where, you know, the last few issues haven't been Adrian Alfona. It's um, been uh, a good artist, and I, I really liked what they were doing with it. It's kind of closer to like an anime sort of thing. Um, but with him back, all the all the little jokes in every panel, it seemed like, um, were, were really funny and, and made the book even that much more enjoyable. But, um, I mean, we've talked about Miss Marvel on the podcast before and, you know, how much we like the humor and the way it's written. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, while they're tying it into Secret Wars is kind of this... Um, end times um, for for this world. 
I thought they re- really did a great job of conveying the panic that, that would mm-hmm. cause in in the real world. You know, even though it's obviously not the real world, right. but that pan that panic sense and and Miss Marvel as a hero who's still learning her way and all the things that she would be worried about in that situation. Right. And family, friends, the safety of the people that she knows and loves, the, like her greater role. I agree with you. It's like a perfect book. And then, you know, issue 16 basically ends with what everybody's probably been waiting for, um, in a big splash page at the end. And I, I thought it was just an excellent, excellent comic book. One of my favorites so far this year. We'll but that, um, We'll hope it's not ending. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but th- that was my notable. So um, I guess that'll probably wrap up this episode. And you can reach us at geekchew.com, which is our website, where the podcast is also available. And you can subscribe through iTunes or Stitcher. We have our email address, geekchew at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at Geekchu. We're on Instagram. Instagram. And we now have a Facebook page as well. Facebook.com slash Geekchu. But yeah, so, you know, subscribe, leave a rating, contact us, um, really anything. We are um, pretty excited about doing this every week, I think. Mm -hmm. um, Always hoping to improve. That's uh, that's probably going to do it. You have anything else? Nope. All right. Well, it was fun. It was smart. We liked it. It's so cute how you shrug every time, even though no one can see.